You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in and happy hump day. It's Crunch Time here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company specializing in multifamily construction. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. March Madness heating up. We'll get into that. We will talk about the New Orleans Pelicans, or the, the Pelicans, at this point. Uh, we'll also preview LSU and Georgia tonight in the SEC champion, SEC tournament from Nashville. And there has been a change at head coach in Lake Charles. We'll get into all of that during today's show. My main man, the co-host of this great program, is Mr. James Mesh. James, happy hump day, sir. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fine, Matt. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It is a beautiful Wednesday. There's baseball that is getting played tonight. There's softball that's getting played tonight. Can't go wrong. You just cannot go wrong. Uh, The Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns will host the McNeese Cowboys and Cowgirls in both baseball and softball tonight in Lafayette. But our top story today is John Aiken has been removed as head coach of the McNeese Cowboys after going 22-45 and in his two seasons at McNeese. Uh, This season, they set a record for the most losses in a single season in school history. 11-23 overall, 6-12 in Southland Conference play. Earlier today, Heath Schroyer, the athletic director of McNeese and the former head men's basketball coach, met with the media to kind of explain where this all was coming from and addressed some of the rumors that have been floating around, like, could Will Wade be the next head coach of the Cowboys? Heath Schroyer had this to say about John Aiken's firing. You know, today uh, was a really, really hard day for me personally. Um, you know, Coach Aiken uh, is a dear friend of mine, and um, he's uh, he's a damn good basketball coach. It just, you know, it just didn't work here. Um, and uh, you know, as a university, we've uh, you know made the decision to uh, to part ways, and um, uh, th- those decisions are never easy, um, especially when. Uh, you know, with the guy, the character uh, of John, and um, he's a dear friend, but, um, you know, it, uh, it just didn't work. You know, you talk about a guy being a good basketball coach, and then you're wondering, well, if he was a good basketball coach, why didn't it work? You know, sometimes certain programs and certain coaches just don't mesh. Uh, it, you see it all the time. Just because a guy gets fired doesn't make him a bad coach. It just means that things didn't work out. He just doesn't necessarily work with what the program's trying to do. Correct. And, I mean, look look at James Winston, a quarterback for the Saints. James Winston's not a bad quarterback. 
He just doesn't fit in Dennis Allen's system. And he, Schroyer, kind of elaborated on this issue further, talking about how things just really didn't work out with John Aiken. Again, what makes it hard is that, you know, John is is a high-character individual, um, and he cares about his student-athletes. But, um, but in today's college athletics, I mean, we're, we're sitting on 45 losses in two years. Um, at right now, in my opinion, the best job in the league. And, um, and if not it's the best, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the best. And, um, you know, it, 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 my expectations for this program, I mean, we are at the top of the league in funding. Um, I think we have the best facility. I think we have the best community. Uh, we led the league in attendance. Um, there, there's a lot of things that, uh, that are in place for this thing to, to become what it should be and to reach its potential. And, um, you know, unfortunately it just didn't, you know, it just didn't uh, work with John and, um, and the staff. And, uh, and again, I, it, it, that's never easy. Um, you know, I, I was a coach for 24 years. Um, I tell people all the time I was coached the year twice and I was fired. So I understand it. I get it. Um, but, uh, you know, moving forward, I think that um, our expectation is to be elite on and off the court. Um, academically, socially, and, and obviously athletically. And um, we have an unbelievable building that we got to fill and we got to get excitement here. We have the tournament here. And um, it's time for McNeese basketball to, uh, to realize and reach his. James. So staying on similar topic, we're, we're going to step away from McNeese for a second, though, because there is some breaking news in the world of college basketball. Jim Beheim. The legendary coach for Syracuse, he has been the head man of the Orange since 1976, has announced he is stepping down as head coach. That's big. They fell out of the Big East tournament earlier today, yesterday, to end their season, and uh, he has decided to step down with a record of 1,015 wins and 440 losses a winning percentage of right under 70%. Legend. An absolute legend. Bruce Feldman has announced that Syracuse says that Adrian Autry has been named the new men's basketball coach at his alma mater as Jim Beheim decides to step down. Wow. I didn't see that coming so quickly. I had a feeling it was coming. He had a feeling that it was coming. Um, he literally hinted at his retirement in the post-game press conference. So there's obviously been conversation of it happening, but I did not expect it to come 24 hours after, well, not even 24 hours, five hours after the game ended. They played at 11 o'clock this morning. So for it to happen that quickly is is, is mind boggling for for me. But again, you know Jim Beheim deserves it. He deserves his retirement over a thousand career wins, a seventy percent winning percentage. He's won a national championship. Great coach, legendary coach. Um, so congrats to him. And once again, the the Syracuse Orange who finished their season this morning after falling to Wake Forest. But going back to the McNeese thing, what, what's interesting with this is now you have to look at replacement options. And as an athletic director, and he's sure he's going to get into this in a second, 
as an athletic director, you have to have a backup plan pretty much at all times because you never know when something's going to happen. So there has to be a basis, if you will, for the future at any given moment. But before we get to that, let's go to the game hotline. T, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot new, bud. I'm good, sir. I'm doing well. Well, good. Um, just enjoying my little grandbaby, my grandson, two months old a day. So I hadn't had much time to call and stuff. But anyway, good for Jim Beheim. I loved his program, his own. Always did. Uh, and you know I'm an older guy, so. And my next thing is, okay, you can answer if you want. Okay, what you got? Oh, okay. And the other thing is, how how good is this LSU baseball team? So the the first thing on the Bayheim thing, I mean, a legendary coach. Any time a guy wins over a thousand games has won a national championship and stayed at a program as, as long as, as he had. I mean, he was closing in on 50 years as the head coach. I mean, that, that's just unprecedented. Um, so absolutely a legend, Hall of Famer, great coach. Um, the LSU baseball, I mean, God, they're good. They're really good. But, oh, I agree 100. Uh, I'm, I'm going to contradict, though. I'm worried that they haven't played a whole lot of talent. Agree. So it'll be interesting to see when when conference play opens up here in a couple weeks. I understand, but you still got to see ball and hit ball and catch ball. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's it's impressive what they've done thus far for sure. I wish I could see them walk off the bus. From what I understand, they, they look like the football team. Yeah, they've they've got the boombox and everything. They uh they, they they've done it up big this year for sure. Well, good deal, man. Hey, enjoy y'all show. Y'all have a good one. T, appreciate you as always. All right, buddy. So yeah, you know, going back to the the Heath Troyer conversation, he talked about how you always have to have a basis for situations like this. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, as an, as an athletic director, uh, I think the, the number one responsibility is to, is to hire coaches. Um, you know, I think, and number two, or one A is raising money. And I think that, uh, but I believe that the job of an athletic director is to always have a bench ready. I think that you always have to have uh, a pulse on, um, you know, of, of what's going on uh, in the market in each sport. I think that, you know, any coach that, that leaves our program, um, you know, I think that you as an athletic director at least have to have a, a you know, a basis to start start with. But I think that, you know, when it got into, um, you know, second week in February or so, um, that's when it started to, to really, you know, kind of hone in and, and start thinking about um, options for sure. So you started thinking about options in mid-February. That raised the question, is Will Wade one of those options? I mean, I've talked to a lot of coaches. Um, You know, I've talked to, you know, I've talked to agents. Um, You know, my phone has been, you know, blowing up, obviously, in the last 24 hours. And, um, but uh, I've talked to a lot of different coaches. And, um, you know, Coach Wade has a lot of options. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, 
um, you know, all the coaches that I'm talking to have a lot of options and, and um, you know, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get the right guy that wants to be here. Um, we're going to get the right guy that, that chooses to be here and, uh, and chooses to embrace the expectations that I have for this program. And to piggyback off of that, this will be the final clip from Heath Schroyer talked about he's going to find a coach that wants to be at McNeese. He further elaborated that whichever coach he finds will make McNeese elite. Uh, I'm not afraid to say it. Um, listen, at the end of the day, um, I want to be elite. Um, you know, I, I, I want to compete for conference and tournament championships, period. Um, that is the expectation of this program moving forward. Um, it really is for all of our sports. Um, but, you know, in men's basketball right now, um, our, uh, our window to become relevant regionally and nationally is right now. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to find a coach that not only uh, understands my expectations, but also embraces those expectations. And, um, uh, you know, my, my goal is simply one thing, and that is to be to turn McNeese into an elite basketball job in the Southland. And uh, there is no reason why we shouldn't. My man, elite. Best five-letter word I can think of other than James. <laughs> sorry, that caught me off guard. That, that was the joke of the day. Good job. That was well done. Not good. Not great. Elite. Elite. The man just fired a coach, and he said this program will be elite. I, Tell, lo- I love the gonads. I'm telling. I'm telling you right now. Will Wade's coming. He's going to be the head coach of McNeese. I can already see the rivalry. The McNeese, only way Cajuns, Bob Marlin, Will Wade. The only way I could see Will Wade not taking the McNeese job is if is, like another program pops up. So here's the thing: there have been some rumblings. the The stuff with Texas Tech, mm-hmm. the the coach. Referencing a Bible verse about slavery. Apparently he's suspended. Apparently Texas Tech is trying to fire him. They're trying to find cause to fire him. Mm -hmm. And I've read rumors that the reason that they're wanting to fire him is because they want to get Chris Beard back as their head coach. He was at Texas Tech before he went to Texas. Mm -hmm. And And obviously Chris Beard is... Is the leading candidate for Ole Miss. Correct. So if Chris Beard to Ole Miss falls through, they're going to shift their gears to Will Wade and... As much as we love McNeese, McNeese just can't keep up with Ole Miss. They just can't. Um, McNeese is going to pay him too much. So that would be the only thing I could see causing a hiccup here. And then if Will does go to Ole Miss, say, and Chris Beard does go to Texas Tech, then you would go look at those other coaches that Heath brought up. Right. Um, But no, barring something unforeseen like that, I, th- I think Will Wade's going to be the head coach of McNeese. Mm-hmm. And hearing earlier from Jim Gazzola, which you'll be able to hear the McNeese Coaches Show right after this show at 6 o'clock, right here on this station, he had said that it would be a monstrous or a monumental upset if Will Wade does not become a Cowboy. It's going to be it's gonna be fun over the next week or so because it's going to happen quickly. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Cookie Riley joins us at 4.30, and the czar of the playbook, Emory Hunt, joins us at 5.30 right here on Crunch Time. We'll take a timeout, and when we return, 
We'll stay on the topic of McNeese. McNeese and the Cajuns play each other in the Diamond Sports tonight. We'll preview both of them next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Like the incredible James Mesh just mentioned, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is your home for the McNeese Coaches Show presented by Mr. Bill's Seafood Express, the Southwest Beverage Company, Line of Bed out of Westlake, and the Southwest Louisiana Law Center. Tune in tonight at 6 as Jim Gazzolo talks all things McNeese right here on the game. Your home for the McNeese Coaches Show. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back here on Crunch Time 422 here on your Wednesday, broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in multifamily construction. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline once again is 337-706-0111. James, McNeese and the Cajuns play each other in both baseball and and softball tonight. Back at it again. So what's going to be interesting here is, as, as I as I look at the schedules to confirm, James, I believe that they play at the same time. I think both games start at 6. They do. Both games start at 6 o'clock. So you are going to have a parking nightmare have fun Mm -hmm. because you got double duty i do i'm covering both of them this man this man dedicated build different dedicated some would say alternatively i I would lean that way yeah this guy (laughs) so we'll start with baseball the cajuns coming into this game with a record of seven and four uh, they got the win on Sunday over Campbell. They're looking to avenge the loss against McNeese just a week ago when they went to Lake Charles and fell five to four after falling to a it was a five nothing lead at one point, uh, and then the Cajuns roared back late. James, you you gotta if you're the Cajuns. And I know this is going to sound super cliche here. You got to start fast in this game. If you let McNeese get out to another 5 nothing lead, I don't know that you're going to be able to catch them. Because I would venture to say that this is a better McNeese team already than the Cajuns faced a year ago. I mean, a week ago. I mean, you look at their their schedule. They are eight and four, and since the Cajuns win, they're on a four game winning streak. They won their last four games since they last played the Cajuns. So this is a McNeese team coming into Lafayette on a five game winning streak, playing really good baseball. And you're not necessarily asking for the eight run first inning that you had against Campbell. No, Sunday. like if you can get 
like get three within the first three or four innings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or be zero zero. Yeah. Keep it within one run if you're down. Keep yeah. it within one or two runs throughout the ball game. Don't don't let it become a three, four, five run deficit early on. Yeah, you, you can't let them get, get away from you. Uh, because the way their offense has been playing, they will. They can run away with it. They will run away with it. Brad Burkle leading McNeese with a 318 batting average so far on the season, while Heath Hood is the batting average leader for the Cajuns. Batting, you ready for this, James? He's got a 419 average through 11 games. And he has reached base safely in each of the first 11 games of the season. Hoodie is playing nasty baseball right now. Um, and, and he's going to be big for the Cajuns tonight, as well as Mason Zambo and Carson Rockefort. On the mound, the pitching matchup, Lafayette native and former Turlings product, Ben Tate, will get his first career start for the Cajuns, uh, while McNeese will go with right-hander Burrell Jones, who has a 1-0 record and a 3.52 ERA. Once again, first pitch for that game is set for 6 o'clock. Meanwhile, flipping over to softball, this is another situation, James, where these teams are very familiar with one another. They just played five days ago in in Austin, Texas, the Longhorn Invitational, and the Cajuns owned McNeese from the jump. It was a 7-1 to one victory for Jerry Glasgow's group with McNeese's Soul run coming in the fifth inning. Cajuns got three in the first. McNeese answered with their one in the fifth, so it was three to one heading into the seventh inning. And then you put up a four spot in the seventh to run away with it, seven to one. Jordan Campbell getting a three run home run in that seventh inning to really put that game on ice. That was actually the second three run homer of the game. The three runs that came in the first inning were on a three-run home run by Carly Heath. So the Cajuns have been benefiting from the long ball so far this year, sitting at 11-6. and six. McNeese at 12-6 and six so far on the season. That's going to be another good matchup. McNeese is 13-7, and seven, excuse me. Um, this is going to be a good matchup. Both of these teams have, have played great softball so far this year. Both of their records relatively close to one another. Relatively close. What's going to be interesting for me, James, Jill Poulard has left the program. Mm-hmm. She was one of your best players last year. Now, obviously, she's been gone for about a week now. They really haven't missed a beat going 3-2 and two since her departure. But I'm just wondering, you know, that offensive production that she was able to provide... Are the Cowgirls going to be able to continue to fill that void throughout this season? Eventually, things like that tend to catch up with teams. So I'm interested to see when that's going to come. Now, am I saying that McNeese is a bad program in no way, shape, or form? No, but when you do lose a big piece offensively, sooner or later it's going to catch up to you. So it's it's almost like a ticking time bomb. Like right. eventually, when is it going to hit? When are you going to hit that slump where you're like, man, not having her? Like that. That's where it's like this is starting to become the downfall. Yep. So I'm interested to see when when that takes place. Uh, but that game will start at six o'clock tonight 
as well between the Cajuns and the Cowgirls. Looking for the pitching matchup, Whitney Tate looks like she will be going for McNeese. Uh, UL has yet to announce their starting pitcher for tonight's contest. But we'll switch gears now. We'll talk some LSU next with Cokie Riley from the Daily Advertiser. We'll preview LSU versus Georgia in the SEC tournament, and we'll also get his thoughts on the weekend that was for Jay Johnson and company right here on the game. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yeah! Welcome back to Crunch Time 434 here on your Wednesday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Gotta love the Luke Combs bringing you in. That's, oh man, that made me happy. Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser. He's joining us on the game hotline to preview the first round matchup of the SEC tournament between LSU and Georgia. We'll also get his thoughts on a sports team in Baton Rouge that's doing well in LSU baseball. Koki, what's going on, man? How are you? <laughs> doing really well. Thanks for having me on again, Matt. So, look, I, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and pound away on the LSU men's basketball team, but you got to explain something to me. How mm-hmm. how is this team 13 and 18, 2 and 16 in the SEC, yet they're favored to win tonight? Um. If you look at some of the analytics, which I was sort of browsing over before uh, before doing this call, Georgia's kind of gotten lucky this year. Um, in terms of Ken Palm, both these teams are pretty even. And when you look at when you look at the metrics, they're pretty even, first of all. And then second of all, I mean, Georgia's also coming off a South Carolina loss. They're not a very good offensive team. They don't really have they don't really do a lot that um, can expose LSU's weaknesses and. I don't know. There's just a bunch of small explanations where I can kind of see how you can get to the explanation of maybe having LSU be being favored by one or two points. Um, I haven't looked at the line, so you tell me that is a bit of a surprise. Um, but at the same time, like I don't think it's crazy because I just don't think this Jordan team is very good, even though they are above 500. And like for example, like here's like one set. Like their like opponents are shooting 67 percent at the free throw line against them this season. Um, in conference play, which is just a freakishly low number, like it's little stuff like that, like like luck numbers like that, that have kind of propelled this team a little, this Jordan team a little bit. I mean, they have even less offense than LSU does. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of small reasons as to like how you can figure out that you know this Jordan team is really not much, not much, not not that much better, that better at all than this LSU team. In fact, we kind of saw that um, a few yeah. weeks ago when LSU. If they didn't turn over the ball as many times as they did, LSU probably beats Georgia at Georgia. So um, that's also something to consider as well. LSU is a three-point favorite in this game tonight against Georgia. Now, them being favored, and like you mentioned, the previous matchup where LSU probably should have won, if Matt McMahon's team wins tonight, do you think that creates enough momentum to maybe make a run? I mean... I'd say it's March, say right? Absolutely not. But the next team they play if they win is Vanderbilt, and that's the one team they've actually beaten since um, that first Arkansas game to start conference play. So, I mean, it's not impossible, Matt. I, I know it's as crazy as that sounds, 
given that this team only has two wins in conference play, how are they going to get back-to-back wins um, in the conference tournament on back-to-back days? But it is set up pretty well for them if, if that does happen. And, so, not, and, and not, only, not only did they beat Vanderbilt, but now Vanderbilt's going to be without Liam Robbins. Yeah, yeah, and he's been one of their. He's probably been their best players this season. He's made he made at least one or two. I think he made at least one of the um, all conference teams. So, yeah, I mean, Robbins is a valuable player. He's been out for a while. He's going to be out for this game as well. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, absolutely. Like this is there. There's <laughs> it's crazy as it sounds. There is there is a path for this team to reach uh, Friday at, at you know and. Um, I mean, he, obviously they're not going to like win the tournament. I mean, it would be absolutely insanity if they won the tournament. But um, there's definitely a realistic path to, to, to Friday, at least. So, you know, looking at, at the matchup, you said that you've looked at the analytics. What do you think LSU is going to have to do to to beat Georgia tonight? They're going to have to score the basketball. Um, and that's usually that's pretty much been the case throughout this entire uh, and, and not turn over the ball. I think that's it, to be more specific. Um, but that's kind of been the, the thing with this team the entire season. I mean, defensively, LSU hasn't been great this great at all this year, and the analytics will certainly show that as well. But I, I just feel like they're, they're, the amount of turnovers this team, the, the, I, I just feel like they're ineptitude on offense and the amount of turnovers that they commit like feeds into their defense a lot of the times, right? I mean, transition buckets the other way, stuff like that. So, um yeah, because I mean, I, I because I feel like, you know, this isn't this isn't the LSU isn't the greatest guarding team, but there's really no one in Georgia that really scares you at all. Not even to the level of a KJ Williams, that a, you know, a, a guy that uh, has really played well the last week or so, so last two weeks or so. So yeah, like I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this they they need to be able to protect the ball on offense and not turn it over, and then just play play some you know play more consistently. Um, competent offense, which is kind of what we've seen over the last few games from this team. Like, even though they lost to Florida, they're that in that first half they played some pretty solid offense. Um, and the Missouri game, I played, they played awesome on offense in the first half of that Missouri game, even though they ended up losing that one as well. It's just they haven't been able to string together consistent, consistently good offense because they're just turning over the ball too much, especially in the second half of these games. So, um, yeah, I mean, decision making and, and limiting turnovers. If they can do that, then they can they can win this game for sure. So, looking at at the team so far this year, you know, KJ Williams is obviously the guy. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's the guy that you know he's going to get his, but you need somebody else to beat you for LSU to win. In yeah, your, in yeah. Your, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was cutting you off there. In your opinion, who's going to be that guy tonight? I mean, Adam Miller has played a little bit better over the last few weeks, and he's a guy who I kind of look at as, you know, if he can knock down a couple of shots, or even after he misses a couple, can he knock down a couple more? Um, he, he's a guy that defenses can will respect at least a little bit more than the rest of them. I mean, you always look at a guy like Ken Hayes, who has shown flashes throughout the entire season as, an, as another candidate for the perimeter. Um, I mean, Derek Fountains had a, had a, has, has had some really good games so far this season. I mean, they're, they've done a really good job, of, like, very quietly. They've been a very good rebounding team over the last two weeks. So that's something you could watch for the offense with, when it comes to um, just crashing the offensive glass and, and producing that way. And, and so, I mean, 
Yeah, like I, I just look at this LSU team, and I, I think outside of KJ Williams, I think Adam Miller and uh, maybe maybe Cam Hayes um, could be candidates for this. And, um, and you know they've shot the ball better recently, so I think it's a lot. A lot of this is going to have to um, sort of boil down to that continuing in this game. LSU currently ranks 280th in the country in scoring offense in, in college basketball. 280 out of 351. Um, yep, when, when, you, when, 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 when you hear that, what's your, what's your instant reaction, Cookie? Um, I think that, that very, that, I think that definitely reflects what we've seen throughout the entirety of the season, but I don't think that fully reflects what we've seen in the last, you know, week or so. Um, I think in the Florida game, I thought they had some really good stretches of offense. And then the Missouri game, I mean, they scored, what, 47 points in the first half of that game with really good at offense, shot the ball extremely well. Um, so I, I, I just feel like they've pieced it together better. They've, they've shown more signs of life. I, I'm not saying it's great offense. It's still not nowhere near what you want, but they've been a lot more confident in the last week or so. Um, I think they scored over 80 against Vanderbilt as well. So, yeah, like it's I, – I, I don't know. I, I just feel like they have very quietly improved over the last week or two and uh, on that side of the ball. But um, overall, that's, that's pretty much – that's pretty accurate, though, I, I, if you look at the season as a whole. Chatting with Cookie Riley from the Daily Advertiser here on Crunch Time. Looking at at the bracket, we talked earlier about how it, it kind of sets up well for LSU. If they can get past Georgia tonight, they'll play Vanderbilt tomorrow night, a team that they've already beaten and will be without one of their best players. And then if you happen to win that game, you know, let, let's get crazy here. Let's say they win back-to-back. Then Friday night, you're going to play Kentucky a team that yeah. you had the opportunity to beat earlier in the season. Yeah. Is, is, no, it, no, is it wild right. to yeah. say it's, that LSU is one of the final four teams this weekend? Um, no, I'm not willing to go that far. I think Kentucky's been a better team recently, even though um, better than they were at the very start of SEC play. I, I just feel like their offense is too much, and they have too many good athletes to – Start overwhelmed LSU, and again, it'll be LSU's third game in three days. That's a lot to ask for uh, with a team that's kind of light um, in terms of bodies, and, or at least reliable bodies at the moment. So um, I, I would be very surprised if they beat Kentucky. But again, it's not impossible. Just given, the, I mean, this Kentucky team has lost to Georgia. They have lost to South Carolina this season. They nearly lost to LSU at home. Um, so it's not impossible that LSU could beat them, but it, it, it would take a lot just because, they, I mean, there's just a lot going against them heading into that game outside of, um, you know, some of Kentucky's gaps heading into the tournament. LSU baseball tonight hosting a pretty good Lamar team. They already have a win over number 5 Texas A&M. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm kind of curious who starts in this game. I guess it's Riley Cooper because he didn't start over the four-game stretch that they just had. Um, so, I mean, they're, I wouldn't say they're vulnerable in this game. It's LSU baseball. They're never really vulnerable. It's because they have the best roster in the country, but if they're going to lose an odd midweek game, this is a pretty good candidate for it to happen just because Lamar, uh, like you said, they're, they're off to a 10 to start. Their only two losses are to Penn and Penn's only losses were to South Carolina and South Carolina. So, um, has had a really good start to the season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this Lamar team is kind of legit. I mean, they have a win over Texas A&M. They have a win over, I believe, Kansas State. So that's 
sort of a comparable one-to-one on uh, in terms of the resume because LSU, of course, beat Kansas State uh, earlier this season. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really interesting matchup, and, and it looks like Lamar might start their number one guy because he only threw two innings on Friday. So, um, yeah, it's I, I, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to see like like how LSU sort of reacts to uh, like a, a, a challenge that. Uh, a, a bigger challenge than what they faced this past weekend with Butler and Central Connecticut State, two teams that were just like were just flat out um, out talented in that entire series, and it just wasn't competitive really for a moment. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this game's at least competitive. Koki Riley joining us here on the game hotline. Koki, before you go, I know you're a, a movie and TV guy. I, I need mm-hmm. I need shows to watch. Give me give me three TV shows that you're watching right now. Um, are you watching The Last of Us right now? I am not. Oh, you have to. I, I just feel like um, it's probably the most popular show on television at the moment. Um, I know it's based on a video game and, and that stuff. The, the track record and that stuff is pretty pretty bleak, but um, it's also made by the creators of um, now like on Chernobyl, and it's it's just really really excellent. Just very solid week to week stuff and. The show kind of changes and evolves in terms of just its plot structure every single week, even though there is, of course, that um, streamline from episode one to now. I believe we're episode seven, so I think I mean I think uh, this Sunday is the is the season finale. So um, I, I think watching it and catching up with the rest with uh, with a lot of people who are sort of diving in on the show right now it would be would be um, I, I would highly recommend that. Uh, so and really, anything from HBO is probably going to be good, <laughs> just in general. Um, Last of Us is definitely one of those shows. Um, another one, Succession, is coming back for its final season pretty soon, and, um, and that that's just an absolutely fantastic show. Uh, just sort of about you know this older corporate head who is trying to find a successor, or uh, apparently trying to find a successor. Uh, one of his uh, children trying to succeed the giant media conglomerate that he's running and. Um, he's kind of resisting, and, and the kids are fighting back. And uh, it's going into its fourth and final season pretty soon this month. So, uh, really, really excited for that one. And then um, I, I get. I'm trying to think one more. Uh, just to say, you said Ted Lasso's coming up. Yeah, this final season. Yeah, pretty Ted, soon. So Ted Lasso. I don't know you've seen that though, right? I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to the last season of Ted Lasso. That's going to be fun. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. That, that that's that one. I think uh, a lot of people have heard. So um, I'll just throw it out there because I uh, wasn't expecting this, but I, but I love the question, though. Thank you, <laughs> Koki. Appreciate your time as always, and uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend. Awesome. Thank you so much. And there he goes, Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser. The man does it all. He talks sports. He talks entertainment. What can't Koki Riley do? We'll take a time out. Wrap up hour number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need for the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, chairs, two giant sacks of live crawfish, and a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now for the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. 
You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time, wrapping up hour number one here in the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Do you want to tell you about the foodie poll question of the day? Do you like cheese on your hamburger? Yes, cheese is great. No, prefer plain burger, or it just doesn't matter to you. You can always vote and comment and like and retweet on Twitter and on Facebook for the poll question of the day. For me personally, of course, of course I love cheese. Cheese goes on everything. I wouldn't say everything, but a lot of things. Everything. Tell me one thing that you wouldn't put cheese on. Probably creme brulee. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, probably on a banana. That's that's fair, too. Fruits and desserts, sure. But everything else, cheese goes on it. Yeah, I mean, I can't think cheese of everything off top. I mean, I probably... Unless I'm specifically doing like a steak sandwich, if I'm doing like a ribeye, I'm not gonna want to put cheese on my ribeye. Oh, I'm still putting cheese on it. Oh yeah, you're oh, like yeah. you're like your own version of Patrick Mahomes. Oh, trying yeah. to throw ketchup on everything. Tacos, sandwiches, burgers, pizza. Oh yeah, of course pizza. Eggs, <laughs> salad. Speaking, speaking of eggs, looking on like when you're putting on a burger, mm-hmm. I like to do a fried egg on my burger. Uh, duh. I don't hear people talking about it enough. Duh. Cool. Extra bit of protein on it? Yeah, come on. Cool. Fried egg, mm-hmm. some grilled mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Sautéed onions and mushrooms. Yeah. Oh, oh. The onions. You're making me want a burger now, James. Oh, you're I mean. Me, you're making me want a burger now. There's always places to go get a burger. So, <laughs> the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to to look at the bracket and look at how, I don't want to say easy, but how good of a draw LSU has gotten here. You play Georgia tonight. If you beat them, you play Vandy tomorrow. The last team that you beat. You beat them, you play Kentucky. Hell, if you get to the Kentucky game, James, you're in the quarterfinals. A team that won two games in the regular season of the SEC is in the conference quarterfinals? One of the final eight teams? Are you kidding me? That is berserk to think about. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, we would have we would have been like, they, they're out of the first round. They got no oh, shot. But they're, they're two-point favorites against the Bulldogs. And then they would be favored against Vandy because Vandy's without Liam Robbins. Mm-hmm. Oh, things could get very interesting in Nashville if LSU can find a way to win tonight. You know another thing that's really interesting? What's that? That popped up while while you were talking to Cokie Riley? What's that? Another Woj bomb coming uh, from the Pelicans. <laughs> Zion Williamson will be out at least another two weeks. Life is pain. There it is. Life is pain. That hurts. God, that hurts. Life is pain! For the Pelicans. I mean, how... And I, I get it. In, injuries are a part of it, and injuries are going to come with it. But 
how do you go from he's going to be evaluated in three weeks to he's going to be reevaluated in three more weeks to he's out two more weeks? You're now at two months that you haven't had Zion Williamson. There was a good point made. You wouldn't put cheese on your red beans and rice, right? No, oh, no. Okay. No. There it is. No, that's further dis- further proves disgusting. That- <laughs> that's a crime. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's, a, it's a crime against humanity. That's that's disgusting. No. Wouldn't put cheese in my gumbo either. Uh. Uh. No. That doesn't go. Just like tomatoes. If you put tomatoes in your gumbo and you call yourself a Cajun, you're wrong. You're a fraud. A fraud. Wowzers. Our number one. It's just about in the books. Our number two. We've got audio from both Jerry Glasgow and Matt Deggs that we're going to get to. We've also got spring football to talk about. Louisiana Raging Cajuns opened spring football yesterday. The Tigers open theirs tomorrow. There's there's so much happiness and excitement to get to. Plus, Emory Hunt's going to join us to talk about some obnoxious quarterback contracts in the NFL and who's the next domino to fall right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette it's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros you're clocked out we're locked in you're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's hour number two of Crunch Time right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the game hotline is 337 706 0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast stadium 32.3. And channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In hour number one, we talked about John Aiken being fired as the McNeese men's head basketball coach. We also touched on Jim Beheim retiring and much more here in hour number two. We're going to talk NFL. We're going to look into Cajuns baseball and softball one more time with audio from head coach head coaches Matt Deggs and Jerry Glasgow. And We'll talk to New Orleans Pelicans as they prepare for a primetime national TV matchup with Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Your poll question of the day, do you eat cheese on a hamburger? Yes or no? Um, The answer from this guy is emphatically, yes, cheese is great along with 77% of you on social media. Um, So, update from the Southland Conference Tournament over in Lake Charles. Northwestern State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi tied at 31 at the halftime break. Things getting dicey over in Lake Chuck. James? Do we do we want the Louisiana school to win it? Are are we cheering for the demons? Or do we not really care at this point? If I had to pick a team, I'd I would lean towards the Louisiana team. I always like to try and at least keep it in state. There he is. 
There it is. This guy loves loves his state, mm-hmm. loves Louisiana, as you should, as you should. Uh, Cajuns baseball getting ready to get underway against McNeese earlier this week. Matt Deggs met with the media and he talked about the McNeese game last week and what they can expect tonight. Credit them. They played really good. And it's I always say this, it's not it's never the team the name across the jersey for me personally or for a team. The game's always within our own clubhouse and, and how well we can play Cajun baseball. And that wasn't it on Tuesday. And so uh, if it's a, if it's McNeese or if it's, you know, name the ball club, uh, I wish we played every day. I've said that multiple times uh, with you guys, uh, but we don't. We'll have a day off today and, and uh, have a meeting in a little while. And then uh, we'll, we'll get after the weight room. And then tomorrow we'll have an inter-squad game and throw some guys that haven't gotten to throw and uh, be ready to go uh, on, on, on Wednesday. Matt Deggs also looked at his team so far this year, and he talked about their four losses, the two to Campbell, the one to McNeese, and I'm drawing a a blank on the other one. But he, he talked about how in those four losses, most of their issues came to be self inflicted. And he talked about how his team needs to do a better job of cleaning up those self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, most definitely. It's it's one thing to get beat. Uh, it's another thing to, to lose a game. And uh, I think it's something that we can all take ownership in. Uh, Tuesday, I feel like we were overconfident. And, uh, you know, that, that definitely showed itself for a big portion of that game. Uh, we got beat up with a fastball. Uh, didn't filled it real clean and still had a chance uh, to win that game late. Uh, Friday night was a heck of a ball game against a really good arm. And, uh, you know, I, I think if if you take away us throwing the ball around in the seventh uh, where they score two on, on one play, uh, you know, we walk Pearson to get to Holstead and he flares one into left and, all heck kind of breaks loose. Uh, and then we load the bases in the ninth uh, off a really good closer that they have. Uh, that game is a lot more interesting. And then uh, Saturday is a matter of just kind of cleaning up free passes. And, and then yesterday we were able to put it all together and withstand, withstand their push because uh, you knew they are going to make one and uh, kind of weather that storm and, and uh, come out on top. And it's not a week really, though, to answer your question, Matt, where you go ifs and buts. It's a week that uh, I hate to say we needed it, but uh, sometimes you take a step backward to go way, way forward. And uh, that's kind of where I feel like uh, we're. Switching over to softball now, Jerry Glasgow looking ahead to his final week of non-conference. They're going to host McNeese, and then they'll travel to Gainesville for the Bubbly Invitational, where they'll take on Rutgers and Florida. And he kind of previewed the week ahead, talking about their trip to Florida this weekend. Looking forward to going to Florida. Uh, It'll be a little tougher schedule with Rutgers, who's playing very well right now. And then, of course, University of Florida, top 10, top 11 ranking right now. And uh, 
another road trip, which, you know, kids are tired. So we'll, it'll test our metal a little bit and find out uh, just how gritty we can, we can get. It'll have to be gritty to go down there and, and get what we want to do and get some wins. He also touched on the Cowgirls of McNeese and what his team can expect for their second meeting of the season tonight. You know, they always play scrappy. They're a scrappy ball club. They're a very good defensive ball club. Um, they've got some speed that he'll run, and James does a really good job coaching them. Um, they always they always compete well. When you look at the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they're 13-8 and eight on the year, and their losses have come against big-time programs, Michigan, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, UCLA, Florida State. You lost to LSU. You lost to Texas twice. This team, and Jerry Glasgow pointed this out, they have to be able, here down the stretch, we go to Florida and you still have Baylor and a couple other marquee matchups, you have to be able to win those big games. Yeah, as I said, 4-2, and two. Obviously, the two losses to Texas, we wanted to get one of those. I'd like to get both of them, but we, I really wanted to. I really thought we would get at least one of those games. Um, and I feel like we're making ground. We're playing a little better. Uh, I thought the Ole Miss game, that was a good win for us. And the McNeese game was a good win for us. Ole Miss, um, McNeese is playing well right now. It'll be a tough game here um, Wednesday night. And then when I thought we played well against Princeton and Tennessee Tech, uh, those are kind of danger games when you put them in between uh, McNeese and Texas because you have a tendency to overlook them, especially young te- a young team with young um, athletes that haven't been through the grind. But I thought we responded well in those games uh, and, and scored enough runs to put them away fairly easily. I just want to see us perform better. It's like a, a broken record, you know, in the big games like Texas, we we get out we got out to the lead in both games and then we we find a way to to lose lose momentum and then we end up losing the game and that's the challenge for this ball club is to, to figure out how to finish and how to how to compete in those games. LSU baseball has announced their starting lineup for their matchup tonight with Lamar Gavin Dugas will bat first and play second base Trey Morgan will bat second and be in left field. Dylan Cruz will back clean up in center field. Tommy White will be your DH. Cade Beloso in first at first base. He will bat fifth. Jordan Thompson will bat sixth and play shortstop. Brady Neal, the freshman superstar, will be behind the dish and bat seventh. Paxton Kling will bat eighth and be in right field. Ben Nippelt will be at third base and bat ninth. And then the Vanderbilt transfer Christian Little will get the start on the mound for the Fighting Tigers tonight against Lamar. That game, first pitch is set for 6-30, game number 13 out of 56 in the regular season for the Tigers. Also, one thing that's interesting, preparing for the World Baseball Classic, the MLB has partnered with the World Baseball Classic to do some tune-up games for the national teams before... The Classic gets underway. Today, James, this is incredibly interesting. The Houston Astros are playing a tune-up game with the Venezuelan national team. Who plays for the Astros that is of Venezuelan descent? Jose Altuve. So, in that predicament, who does he play for? Well, 
Altuve suited up for Team Venezuela. And the first pitch that he saw from an Astros pitcher, for the first time in his career, he shot it into left field for a single. That is prime Jose Altuve. You always swing at the first pitch. Always. <laughs> never in doubt. That guy never not swings at the first pitch. And what's what's crazy to think about, you know, when you when you do these the World Baseball Classic, it's so it's so intriguing because it's basically all-star teams at, at this point because you're taking teams from the ML players from the MLB that you know, the best of the best from that country. So, you know, we're on the topic of, of the Venezuelan team right now. Looking at their their roster, it, it's actually, you know, Robinson Chirinos, Salvador Perez, Jose Altuve, Eduardo Escobar, Ronald Acuna Jr., Glaber Torres, Anthony Santander, David Peralta, Miguel Cabrera. I mean, this is a incredible group. And that's just one of them. The American team has Mookie Betts and Mike Trout and a handful of others. It's going to be a great event. The World Baseball Classic is actually underway right now. Um, Definitely looking forward to seeing how that plays out over the next week or so. Let's go to the game hotline now. Paul, what's up? What's going on, amigos and friends? Been a while, fellas. It has been a while, man. How are you? Oh, man, bless, bro. Just kind of getting out of school for the day, so, you know, I'll get some crawdads. Oh, good for you. <laughs> Hope y'all been doing well, bro. Always, man, always. What you got? Well, I wanted to let y'all know right around the corner is Yankee season about to start. Just want to remind Yankee haters out there, my Yankee buddies. Two of the New York Knicks is winning, baby. And the New Orleans Saints have a quarterback. So they can't get better. So you're 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 spot on about the Saints. I'm gonna give you that. The Knicks are winning, good for them. But the Yankees, man, the 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 Yankees. Look, I can already I can already tell you how this season's gonna go, Paul. Different year, different time. We go, we got it. The the, the Yankees had the time. It's over. They got to fall in the back of the line. It's our turn. So wait, Paul. Our turn. They got to share. They can't keep cheating and winning, but. It's our turn, Dave. I hear people talk about the pipe. It's our turn. Braves had theirs. The 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 Yankees are going to go ninety five six and sixty seven, and they're going to lose in the ALDS, Paul. Not this year. This is our year. Trust me on this one. I know we say it every year. And I'll be the main one. I just really it's our year because Astros have got there too in the last few years. Braves have theirs. You know when that happens, you know you got to get to the back of the line, my brother. So that means newcomer coming up. And I, I, I see us doing, you know, improvements. I mean, we got to get our little our chipper to get it right. Oh, boom. You know, I think we got it. I think we got it. I think, we, I think, I think it's our year. I think pitching will be better, definitely. So, Paul, definitely. You, you talk about the Knicks. You're a Knicks fan? Huh? You're a Knicks fan? Is that what you said? Oh, yeah. Not hard, baby. Yep. Oh. Julius, Julius Randle's taking you to the NBA Finals? I think I think we can go to the finals this year. When you mm. look at, we can beat Boston. We keep showing that. Philly, we can beat them. I think out of the, those two teams and the Greek Greek Bucks, I think they're gonna beat each other out. A lot of injuries with those teams. So and we are healthy. So I don't think we can beat the Bucks unless they injured and if Greek is there. But I, I 
Otherwise, I think you go to the chip. I think we're going to go to the chip, though. You, you think they beat the Celtics? Yeah, we just beat them twice already. Mm. The Celtics is overrated. Overrated. That's fighting words, Paul. That's fighting words. If it gets to the, if it gets to the, the playoffs, we will see. We will oh, see. Oh yeah, I forgot you had the whole Celtics fan. <laughs> I forgot mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fight. That's fighting words, Paul. And you know I will be calling y'all. Oh yeah, yeah. Y'all gonna have to pay the Bible. Pre- appreciate the call, man. Oh man. So look, the Knicks. I'm indifferent on. That's fine. Look, the the Knicks are good. They're winning. Happy for them. The Saints, obviously, I'm thrilled about them having a quarterback. But the Yankees, guys, it's going to be the same song and dance. Halfway through the season, it's going to be, can anybody stop the Yankees? Aaron Judge has 50 home runs. And then they're going to bottom out. It's just like the Red Sox. The Red Sox are going to struggle. And then right there at the end, they're going to have just this spurt of good play and you know the Red Sox faithful is just going to be like oh maybe we could sneak in nope no you can't it's not going to happen the Astros won a World Series and got better they got better the MLB is going to be very very afraid of what the Houston Astros are going to be able to do here in 2023 but we'll take a time out here when we return James we got to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans we got to preview this primetime matchup that the entire country is going to be able to see as they take on the Mavs inside the blender we'll do that next this is crunch time on the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros We here at The Game know you love our shenanigans both on and off the air, and we want to help you help us. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana. Click the bell so you can get notifications when we post our brand new content and game recaps. Once we get to 1,000 subscribers, you'll be able to see even more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 522 here on your hump day. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. James Mesh, the New Orleans Pelicans play tonight. Happy, happy, happy are we. Yay! Back at it again. This time it's on national television. Yeah, we we all get to experience it together as a cohesive group. You know who's not together and who's not a cohesive group? The Pelicans. I've you want to know why? Because everybody's hurt. Yet, yet, you look at the injury report for the Pelicans and guess what it says? No injured players. That's a lie because Zion's out. Alvarado's out. Larry Nance is out. And EJ Liddell is still out. I'm tired. I'm tired of watching Luca just bust their behinds. Luca is going to 
dismantle. It's like Peyton Manning when he saw a young secondary. Licked his chops. Just absolutely licked his chops and then throw by throw picked them apart. That is exactly what Luka Doncic is going to do tonight. He and Kyrie Irving are going to pick the Pelicans apart. And it is going to be disgusting to see. Now, here's the thing, though. They've been absolutely spectacular offensively. But the defense has taken a dip for the Mavericks. It has. It has. So, even though the Pelicans... They have not been great overall. This is an opportunity for them to try and win in a shootout. But man, Luka's averaging 33 points per game. 33. He's shooting 50%. Who does that? What guard in the NBA shoots 50%? The usage of Luka Doncic is crazy because he leads in four of the major five categories. It leads in points, rebounds, assists, and steals. It's it, it's absolutely mind-boggling to watch the Mavericks do what they do. And now that you have Kyrie, it just adds an extra dimension and it opens up Luka Doncic to do even more. Which is exactly what the Mavericks wanted, which is why they went get Kyrie. And, we, and it's funny because a report came out the other day that Luka was like, yeah. I openly wanted them to specifically get Kyrie. Yeah, and I, I I get it now. At first, I was like, I'm not sure how it's going to work, but then I've watched them play, mm-hmm. and now I get it. And now it makes sense because what Kyrie does is Kyrie does such a good job of spacing the floor with the way that he plays because he can do it all, right? He can drive to the rim and attack you that way. He can facilitate, and he can knock down shots. So you have to space the floor when you're playing Kyrie. But here's the problem. What that does is that opens up more lanes for Luka Doncic. And between the two of them, Dallas is going to become very hard to stop, which is why they're a top-five team in the Western Conference. And they're only two and a half games behind the Phoenix Suns for fourth. Things are going to get very interesting over the final 18 or so games in the West because that two through... Two through eight is is pretty tight. So it'll be interesting to see how how that plays out o- over the next 15 or so games because, again, the Pelicans are 10th right now, but if they catch fire, I mean, James, it's, it's not unreasonable to say they could be a top-five team. If they caught fire here, they're only two and a half games out of fifth place. That's very reachable, especially since one of the teams – that is holding that 12 and a half games back spot is the team you're playing tonight. So you could steal a full game from them by winning tonight, which would be huge for the Pels. But again, uh, it's gotten to the point where the Lakers are passing you. The Lakers have passed you. And you know how I feel about the Lakers. When the Lakers are passing you, it's time to take a long, hard look in the mirror. You're three and seven in your last ten. And it's crazy because I loved the way that they played against Portland. And I know Portland's not, you know, this superstar squad, but I loved the way that they played against Portland. And then, you know, you played well against Golden State. You didn't do enough to win, but you played well. 
And then Monday night against Sacramento, you just got owned. Dante, DeMontis Sabonis had a triple-double. Kevin Herter had 25 points. And you just got beat up. And now you don't have Larry Nance. You're still without Zion, and you're probably going to be without Zion for the rest of the season. Although, Willie Green told the media today that he is, quote, optimistic that Zion Williamson will play before the end of the regular season. Willie, how? How? There are 16 games left in the regular season, and there was a report earlier today that he is out at least two more weeks. What's he going to play, the final three games? What's the point? Because if you continue on the skid that you're on, you're not even going to be a candidate for the play-in, so why would you play Zion for three games just for him to go to Barbados? What's the point? I will at this I've gotten to the point where I will be shocked if Zion Williamson sees the floor again this year. Now, I'm not going to get into that old oh, trade him crap. I'm not going to get into that because that's that's just silly. That's silly. You can't have a dollar trade it for four quarters and it be exactly the same. It's not. Does it add up to the same? Sure. But is it the same? No. That's like saying a unicorn and a donkey are similar. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Zion Williamson is your unicorn. He is your once-in-a-generation franchise-changing talent. Because guess what? Say you wouldn't have drafted... Zion Williamson. You know who you would have drafted? Ja Morant. Don't be wrong, Ja's a hell of a basketball player. But do you want the drama that Ja is under right now? Because I don't. David Griffin doesn't. Gail Benson doesn't. Look, is it aggravating as hell that Zion Williamson can't stay on the court? Yes, 100%. That $1 bill is constantly not in your pocket. Is, that that one dollar bill is not in your wallet pretty often. I would rather a kid that was hurt than a kid that's under scrutiny like John Moran is right now. Point blank. Because Zion can still do things with the team. He can still do things for the community. He can still interact with, with the franchise and be on the bench for his teammates. John Morant's away from the Grizzlies right now. A big difference there. We'll take a time out. Emory Hunt, founder of the football game plan and an analyst on CBS Sports. He'll join us next. We'll talk about Derek Carr's contract, Daniel Jones's absurd contract, and what's next for Lamar Jackson right here on the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 535. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company specializing in new multifamily construction. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We talked yesterday about Daniel Jones's new four-year, $160 million contract. 
which I think is just wild. Uh, what's next for Lamar Jackson? Why are the Ravens struggling to come to terms with him? And much more, Emory Hunt, the founder of FootballGamePlan.com, also an analyst for CBS Sports. He joins us on the game hotline. Emory, what's going on, bud? How are you? Doing all right, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. So before we get to the NFL, are, are you are you still reeling from the Cajuns win Monday night? Yeah, they make in typical Cajuns fashion, man. They make you work hard for it. Yeah, a game that probably should have been in hand, but hey, at the end of the day, they got the job done. Fought through some adversity, and it should bode well for them going into uh, the tournament. Now we just wait and see who who they're going to play. Uh, hopefully, a number one seed. This might be a. Uh... The Cajuns might be a team that they could uh, maybe make an upset or two in the NCAA tournament, right? I hope they get, at worst, a 13 seed because that puts them right in that prime spot for history to where, to your point, you know, that 13 seed tends to always upset that four seed. It's been a a rather wild year in college basketball, so it wouldn't surprise to see multiple upsets uh, this, this tournament. I'm hoping the Cajuns obviously will be in that number. So looking at some more local news here in the state, Derek Carr signed a four-year, $150 million contract with the New Orleans Saints earlier this week. The Saints desperately needed a quarterback, and Derek Carr was probably their best option in the free agent market. But i got to tell you, Emory, this number was a little bit higher than I would have liked. They had the best option on on a roster already in Jameis Winston. Uh, you go out and you sign West Coast Andy Dalton essentially by bringing in Derek Carr. We just beat this guy twenty six nothing with Renfro and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. What you what what do people think he's going to do here in New Orleans with with these offensive weapons and this uh, inconsistent offensive approach? I thought the best bet would be to stay pat, let Jameis ride out there healthy. Um, at least he knows the system. And then you now can use that draft pick on, on an additional player to help you on, on offense or defense. But the biggest move probably should have been letting go Dennis Allen, but we know that wasn't the case. Now you compound that issue by bringing in a, a David, a Derek Carr, um, who plays the game the same way Dalton d- does in terms of how they don't feel pressure, how they stay stagnant in the pocket. Yes, he has a better arm, but if he takes these sacks and fumbles the football at the same rate or clip that Dalton does, and what's the difference? So, if you think Jameis Winston was the best option, and I'm not saying that I necessarily disagree with you, but I'd love to hear your thought on why he didn't see the field at all last year, even after doctors said that it was as healthy as he was going to be. Well, two words, Dennis Allen. We've seen this before. We saw Dennis Allen pull this stunt in Oakland with Terrell Pryor, who clearly gave him the best chance of winning. In fact, he would have been on the cutting edge of what we now currently see in the NFL, but he tried to tell people that Matt McGloin was a better option for them, which proved to be hilariously false, um, and he had to go back to prior later on that season. So I'm not surprised that he decides to stick it to Jameis and went with uh, a clearly deficient Andy Dalton, um, and People wonder why the Saints ended up outside the playoffs. Well, you know, they kept the guy around that was in charge of a lot of those bad decisions. 
Now, talking about another quarterback contract that just came down recently, Daniel Jones signed a four-year, $160 million deal with a $36 million signing bonus. I know that there's been a lot of hype around Daniel Jones from his time coming into the NFL out of Duke, and he had a great year last year under Brian Dable. But is it really warranted to sign a guy to a contract like this after one good season? That that word, great is doing a lot of heavy lifting right there, man. Like, he had 15 touchdown passes um, in 17 games. In in any other situation, that would be ridiculed and laughed at as laughable. I felt like the Giants were essentially uh, negotiating with themselves. I would have let him go out and find this mythical number he wanted from this mythical team and see what he came back with. And if I wanted to match, then I would have matched. But the problem is you could find anyone – walking in the NFL to give you the statistics that Daniel Jones put up last year. And what I didn't like, and I started to see this toward the back end of the season, and I also saw it all throughout the offseason, is that they made Saquon Barkley's success, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley's success, when really it was Saquon Barkley, the offensive MVP. And when the Giants faced teams that took Barkley away, the Lions, the Eagles twice, the Cowboys, the Seahawks, and they forced Daniel Jones to beat them throwing the football, he clearly couldn't and was deficient. People hang their hats on the two best games he had. It just so happens to be against the worst defense in the NFL in Minnesota. And in between that, they left him in the ball game, the stat pad against Indianapolis, who clearly was out on the rest of the season. So I am shocked that the Giants did this. And it's going to be unfortunate for them that I don't think it was a Dayball decision. I don't think it was a Joe Shane decision. I think this came down to the Maras really like Daniel Jones because Eli Manning and the Mannings like Daniel Jones, and he worked with David Cutcliffe. They kind of want him around because nothing on the field led you to believe that he had a great year or did great by any stretch of the imagination. And in fact, the coaches were coaching around his deficiencies. They didn't want him to throw the football. Um, and so now they're going to pay him like they want him to throw. And it's going to go catastrophically bad down there, out here in uh, New Jersey. According to Spotrack, he will head into 2023 from a cash value standpoint as the second highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Chatting with Emory Hunt, founder of Football Game Plan here on Crunch Time. Another quarterback that's kind of been in the conversation for contracts is Lamar Jackson. The the Ravens put him on a non-exclusive franchise tag yesterday, meaning that teams are now free to talk to Lamar and, and bring Baltimore an offer for the quarterback. But my question here, Emery, is this. With a guy like Lamar Jackson that has provided so much for you, the problem is that you haven't really put a whole lot of weapons around him. What took you so long to even come close to a contract agreement that's the whole question like why why has it taken so long you know the window to renegotiate and restructure and and, and you know enhance the contract has been open for a while it should have been done after the mvp season um and truth be told with the way he saved john harbaugh's job his rookie year winning all those games in a row and getting to the playoffs when they were getting ready to fire John Harbaugh, I'm surprised he hadn't gotten the contract he's looking for. And, you know, whether uh, no one really knows what the number is. No one has really talked to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson hasn't really come out 
and said exactly what you're looking for. Everything has been about sources and what I'm hearing and speculation. No one really knows. Everyone's mixing it up along the way because they can't talk to agents because guess what? He doesn't have one. And that's how these leaks usually come out. So when you don't have that source, um, people make stuff up. So I'm surprised he's taking this long. I don't doubt that he's going to end up, you know, signing a long-term deal with Baltimore, or at worst, he's going to get franchised the next two seasons, or this year and the next year, make a boatload of money, and then just look back at this and like, wow, this is real disrespectful, and leave on his own free will after these two years up. Where do you see Aaron Rodgers playing football next year? Because there, there's been talks about him returning to Green Bay, but the way he left the field at the end of the season this past year with Randall Cobb just leads me to believe that he is done with Green Bay. You've heard rumors that the Green Bay is, is pretty much done with him. Uh, is he a New York Jet next year? That, that's the other part of this whole equation. Like The Jet sent everybody out to go talk to a guy that has clearly declining skills uh, and has one foot out the door in terms of retiring and saying that he doesn't know if he wants to, to play. When you just found out from Baltimore that you can essentially get Lamar Jackson for whatever you want. You know, go and grab him as opposed to this guy that we've seen that may not be the same Aaron Rodgers that we saw two years ago at least. Um, So I don't know anything about Aaron Rodgers and what he will end up doing because he's been so aloof the entire of the last three to four years. So I just feel like the Jets are just spinning their wheels to go and get Aaron Rodgers, but I understand why they probably would want to go get an Aaron Rodgers because they still kind of believe in Zach Wilson. Otherwise, they'd go and get the younger Lamar Jackson, which would then definitely signify the end of the Zach Wilson era. So if you still have some belief that Wilson can be salvaged, you can go ahead and, and get an Aaron Rodgers for one season. But the problem is you don't know what this guy has left in the tank or if he wants to go out there and compete at a high level and go through the, the things that you have to go through to get out there on the field. About six weeks left until the NFL draft. The New Orleans Saints now sit at number 29. With the signing of Derek Carr, it might change your your draft strategy a little bit. If you're in that draft room, Emory, who are you? What what position are you attacking with that first round pick? Oh, that's a, a great question because there's a lot of ways the Saints can go with that position, and a lot of it does tend to, to depend on who is falling to the Saints at this at this spot. Um, I think you have to find a way to get better offensively. You got to find more game breakers, uh, whether that's in the backfield, whether it's B. John Robinson or Jameer Gibbs, or whether it's someone out on the perimeter at receiver, whoever is the, the best receiver there. Maybe it's a Jackson Smith and Jigba to go along with the Chris Olave and, um, and what you already have out there on the roster. But the Saints have to get a little bit more dynamic offensively. Um, and I think that's where I would start because within a family, you know, at least. He's a defensive guy. He can find ways to get creative on defense. Um, And, you know, these guys tend to want one of their guys. But offensively speaking, what's the biggest issue for New Orleans? It just lacks those dynamic playmakers outside of the lobby. So I feel like they got to continue to stockpile those options in order to give themselves a chance. Now that Derek Carr is signed as the quarterback for the Saints, do you think that entices Michael Thomas to maybe want to stay around? Absolutely not, man. Listen, I – Michael Thomas has to get right with his ankle and, and his injury. Once he's fully healthy, then he's going to get back out there on the field. But Derek Carr is just a younger version of Andy Dalton. And I've made this comment out there on social media. Prime Andy Dalton and prime 
Derek Carr, you probably would say Andy Dalton was a better player. Um, he had Cincinnati in the playoffs, what, four times, winning a couple of division championships. You, you had nine years of Derek Carr out there in, in, with the Raiders, and, and it's been the same issue year in, year out. Yeah, you made the playoffs twice, uh, but the same issues that kept you out of the playoffs, he's bringing now to New Orleans behind an even shakier offensive line. Um, and with his issues of you know holding the ball too long, staying in the pocket, not really getting out there and creating with his legs, I, I just don't see this being the benefit that this that a lot of Saints fans think they're going to get with Derek Carr. It just looks like another repeat of what we saw with Andy Dalton, uh, let's say in Dallas, and, and definitely what we saw uh, last year in New Orleans. Emory Hunt, the founder of Football Game Plan, joining us here on the game hotline. Emory, before you run, man, tell our listeners where they can find Football Game Plan as well as your work with CBS Sports. Follow me on Twitter at Football Game Plan. Pre-order your copy of Football Game Plan's draft guide. Last year we put out the largest draft guide in draft guide history, over 1,000 individual scouting reports. Working on that now currently. Um, so you can pre-order your copy at footballgameplan.com. 2023 draft guide. And always keep locked to see that sports HQ. You'll catch me on there frequently, especially leading up to the draft process. Emory, appreciate your time as always, man. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you having me. And there he goes, Emory Hunt, the founder of Football Game Plan and a CBS Sports football analyst. Aaron, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, similar players? I don't necessarily disagree, but I feel like at this point, Derek Carr is a much better option for the New Orleans Saints than Andy Dalton, strictly because of him having the better arm. Uh, But we'll take a time out here, wrap up today's show right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The monster trucks are coming back to the Cajun Dome and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has a VIP package to the toughest monster truck tour March 17th and 18th. Enter in the game rewards club for four tickets, access to the pit area, a merchandise certificate, and lunch with the truck drivers that Friday. The toughest monster truck tour is back and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 555 here on your Wednesday, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, we talked about the Pels earlier. Your Celtics have a pretty easy game tonight. And the Portland Trailblazers, Jason Tatum back. Robert Williams is still out. Peyton Pritchard looks to be out as well. Um, can Boston win it without Pepe? Can they do it? Oh, man, He's, I don't he's know. integral. He's <laughs> right? an integral part. He's, he's basically... The whole team. He's the whole team. No, it's just Peyton, Peyton no, Pritchard, they, baby. The thing is, they need this type of game. Not to say that the Trailblazers, it's going to be an easy win per se, but they need this type of game where it's like, look, you've lost three in a row. You've lost to the Nets, who you've barely lost to since you lost to them in the 2020 playoffs when you got 
when you got gentlemen swept by them. You even lost to the Cavs. It's kind of been back and forth. That was a close one that went to overtime. And then even against the Knicks the other night, you had to go to overtime with them as well. I mean, these are close yep. games. You feel like with the injuries, you get some people back, some people won't be playing. But even though the Trailblazers, it's an NBA team, you can't knock them right away. This is still a game that you should definitely win to try and get back on the track before you head into the playoffs because we only got a couple weeks left. We're 66 games in. Yep. 16, you got 16 games left. 16 games remaining. Uh, real quick, Team USA has their first World Baseball Classic game tonight. Listen to this lineup. Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Kyle Schwarber, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Kyle Tucker, Trey Turner, JT Realmuto, and Jeff McNeil. That group is nasty. Can Team USA win their second straight WBC? They won the last one seven years ago. Let's see if they could do it again. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest, Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser, previewing LSU baseball as well as LSU men's basketball against Georgia tonight, which you can catch it right here on the game. Emory Hunt as well, founder of the Football Game Plan, for joining us, talking Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, and the other hot topics of the NFL. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow, 4 to 6, same station right here on 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Let's throw it over to Lake Charles for the McNeese Coaches Show with your host, Jimmy G from LC, Jim Gazzolo.